0: You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. Uh, just a reminder, we're in person every week. I know we've been doing every other week for almost a year now. But uh, we're just going to be in person every week. We feel like there's nothing like being in the room, coming together. So uh, just count on that. And uh, I have a new series. Uh, Alenia and I are going to share a new series with you guys starting October 10th. And we haven't done a relationship series in a while. And we've been thinking and praying. I feel like this pandemic put a lot of strain in relationships. And we're not just talking about, you know, marriage. We're talking about how to be single and have healthy relationships. How to... You know, have good friendships. So uh, we're titled this series, In Repair, starting October 10th. So I encourage you to uh, make a note and, and, and join us. But we'll have Facing Your Demons for a couple weeks more. Uh, and if you do have the app, we do have the fill-in-the-blanks there for you if you want to follow along in the message. All right. I'm titling this message today, Overcoming Evil Spirits. Overcoming Evil Spirits. It's been said... That the lack of trust and confidence in public institutions, as it rises, as the lack of trust rises in America, also there is a rise in the search for the occult. People search for answers elsewhere when they feel like the institutions that have given them security, the institutions that have given them a sense of, of stability begin to crumble. People will search for answers elsewhere. And there is a there is a clear difference in, in connection between uh, the lack of trust and confidence in our public institutions and the rise for the occult. And this has been true, especially in our generation. There is an intense search for spirituality in America today, and it's ascending. And with that, people look in all sorts of, tro- of sources. So you might not know this, but there was a Pew research done in 2014, so this seven years old, right? And at that time, uh, more people, well, the, 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 there were people in America that were professed members of either paganism or witches or Wiccans. And that those people, the number of those people, were at that time surpassing the membership of the Presbyterian USA Church. And I'm I'm sure that by now, they have surpassed. So I'm bringing this up because, you know, as a pastor, as a spiritual leader, as as somebody who is in the realm of spirituality, I don't want you to be ignorant, and I don't want you to be um, unaware of the reality of the spiritual life, good or bad, and the reality of evil, evil spirits. So maybe you grew up with no religion or You've had a life that's disconnected from God, disconnected from spirituality. And your idea of evil spirits, you can't really deny it, right? You know that there's evil in the world and that, and that there's evil beyond us. There's evil beyond people. But maybe because you didn't grow up in church, your idea was the same, the same principle that you apply to God, you apply to evil spirits. Maybe in your mind it was like... Yeah, there is a God. Maybe there is a God. I don't know. I can't prove otherwise. I can't disprove that there is a God. But if there is a God, it has nothing to do with me. He hasn't done anything for me. And it really doesn't influence my life at all. So if there is a God, it's out there somewhere. I will pay no mind to it. Let it be over there and I'll be over here and I'll mind my life. And maybe when it comes to evil spirits, you might have thought the same way. Maybe there is a devil. Maybe there is a Satan. Maybe there are demons in spirits. Maybe there are all these things that people talk about. Maybe they're real. But I'll keep to myself. I'll just live my life and let those things be over there with people that mind minded or people that think about it. I'm just going to deal with my life over here. But the reality is this, is that we cannot escape the spiritual realm. We can't because we're spiritual beings. So we're in it. We're in that reality. That's why the Scriptures, when you open the Bible, the very first pages of Scripture in Genesis, it talks about how in the spirit realm, that's where we came from. That's where reality, as we know, came from. That's where the material world came from. In the beginning, right? God formed. So everything that exists in the material, the Bible is saying it came from the spiritual. And then the story continues, and it talks about people in the Garden of Eden. Now, if there ever was a picture you could paint of people who could completely be isolated from evil spirits, Adam and Eve were it. If you were to paint a picture where human beings would be able to isolate themselves from any evil spirits, the Garden of Eden was the place. Perfect place, community with God every day, no evil, just two people enjoying life and having dominion over everything. But still, what we learn from the story is that it didn't stop there. They were living the best life in actual paradise. But if you know the story, you know that they were tempted. Right there in the garden, living in a perfect Circumstance, uh, circumstances, imperfect circumstances, in a perfect scenario, they were tempted. And they desired what they shouldn't. And because of an evil spirit that came in the form of a serpent, they were deceived and they ended up doing what they shouldn't. There are two lessons from the very beginning of Scripture there in that story that can shape the rest of history. If you think about the, the condition of, ma- of man, if you think about the human condition, you can link it all the way back to the story of Eden and the Adam and Eve. And this, the reality is this, two things that we can learn from that. First is that the spiritual realm is superior to the natural realm. And the second is that temptation and desire, which is a human condition, are spiritual things. They have a spiritual significance. Yeah, they can manifest themselves in the natural, but they have a spiritual significance, which means that even if you build a perfect life for yourself, with all the wisdom that you have, with all the capabilities that you have, with all the good intentions that you have, even if you built a perfect life in the natural, have a perfect house, perfect career, have a perfect 4.0 GPA uh, in school, have a perfect marriage, if you can muster there, at least close to perfect, right? Have perfect relationships at home. If you can build a perfect life in the natural, you will not insulate yourself from temptation and desire. And we know that. We know that temptation and desire have a way of lurking into the crevices of our lives. It doesn't matter if you've been in church your whole life. It doesn't matter if you're an atheist, if you're an agnostic, if you're an agnostic, the reality will find you that the spiritual realm is real. So before, if you look at the Scriptures, because sometimes we bundle it all up, and, and, and we, we look at it as a book, right? We forget that it was written uh, uh, across 1,500 years, and the history that it spans goes even beyond that. Because Moses wrote of, of ages that we can't account for, really. Before there ever was the idea of religion in the Scriptures. Before there ever, there ever, there ever was a chosen people. Before Noah, before Abraham, before Moses, before David, before Jesus crucified, we have to deal with this problem. We have to face this problem of evil. It appears very early in the scriptures, entering the seemingly perfect areas of our lives, and try to bring in corruption, try to bring in decadence, try to bring in sin. Every single one of us deals with that. We all deal with that. And this is something that's very hard to refute. In fact, I I would love for you to try to refute this reality. You would do a service to society if you could do that. If you could find a way to look at the story of the Scripture at the very beginning, you don't have to go too far, just the first four chapters. And if you can refute that reality, as far as your condition, a condition of all people, you will change history. I think it's hard. I don't think... I don't think anyone can. But if you can, try. Try. Put your mind to it. You will realize that it's been true. And there's a reason why it's there. There's a reason why these stories have persisted to the point that we call them holy. That we call them sacred. Because they have been found to be the truth. And the truth is something that you can't escape. It's truth for everybody. Right? Now... The reason why we're calling these series Facing Your Demons, these messages, it's under this umbrella of Facing Your Demons, is because it's a common expression, right? The the word demon is a little bit of a letdown, but it's an expression that we use. Every time we face a part of us that we don't like, every time we face, we we have to deal with that part of us, we're confronted or maybe, you know... Uh, somebody we live with keeps pointing to to a deficiency in our soul, in our character, in our behavior, and we have to deal with it all the time. Every time we deal with it, we call it, man, I'm facing my demons. i got to face my demons, right? You have to face your demons from time to time. But the reality is that sometimes what we do is we just bundle up the worst part of us in one big one thing. We think that they are all the same thing. And in fact, they are not. They are not because... There, there's a reason why we also subtitle it overcoming your negative mindsets, your curses, and your evil spirits. Because there are different parts of us. We could, if you don't realize that, if, if, it's really important. Because if you just bundle everything up and you ah, that's the bad part of me that I want to deal with. And then you try to overcome it with discipline. You try to overcome it with, with uh, positive confessions. You try to overcome it with self-care. Whatever personal development tactic that you avail yourself with. Those things are good. But then at the end, you you don't overcome that specific thing. You might wonder, man, there's got to be something wrong with me. And none of those things are bad. Discipline, positive confession, self-care, do all that. But we can't ignore the fact that not all things are the same. They're not all the same thing. They don't have the same root system. And if you got to address them properly, you got to consider them individually in each individual area. That's why... When we started this series, we talked about identity, because you got to know who you are. You got to know that you are not your sin, you are not your sin. You were called to be a child of God. You, you come from a different, a different stock. Also, we got to know that getting your mind right—that was a second message—was important, because it might be that you just. Your mindset is is wrong, so you need the right mindset to face life. But make no mistake, some of the evil traps that you have faced, some of the things that have come against you, are straight up the work of the enemy. They're straight up the work of evil spirits. See, the serpent of Eden continues to make its way into our gardens, It's a reality that repeats itself. It's not a story that stays in the pages of Scripture. It repeats itself. That's why it's there. And it tries to set traps for every single person to desire something that seems good. Now, if you're a Jesus follower, you're in a very unique position because by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can discern and you can recognize it. As you hone in through prayer, as you hone in, God will open your spiritual eyes and you can see uh, when something is of of an evil spirit, right? Because your faith, your faith causes you, as the scripture says, to be seated with Christ in heavenly places. So you don't need to t- turn to those things, right? You don't need to turn to witchcraft. You don't need to turn to the occult. You don't need to get your palms read. You don't need to. You don't need any of that. You can you can live a life based on the wisdom of God present right here, living. In, in, in the authority that God has given you, and you can just, if, if it's an evil spirit that's rising against you, you can just command him to leave by the power of Christ. Leave your house, leave your life, leave your, your marriage, leave every single part of your life. So I want to I just unpack a little bit and, and explore some of the ways that the enemy tries to come against us and he tries to uh, trap us, right? It's a little bit of a different message, uh, but... I think it's important for us to have this revelation and know. All right, So there's a few ways that the evil, evil spirits operate in mankind. The first one is very common. It's temptation. That's the first one. So the battle of temptation is a battle that we all face. Every single one of us have been tempted. Every single one of us will be tempted as long as we're in this body We'll face temptation, right? And there's a reason, if you find it in the Scriptures, there's a reason that Jesus started His ministry by going into the desert to be tempted by the devil. In fact, the Scripture says in Matthew 4, we're not going to read it, but you can, you can follow it, that Jesus was led by the Spirit of God to be tempted by the devil. Could you imagine that? Like He started His ministry and God was like, now this is the first thing you're going to do. You're going to go face-to-face with the, the evil one, with the enemy. And so that's what Jesus did. He went into the desert. It's in Matthew 4. I encourage you to read it. And Jesus was tempted in three areas. Very significant too. Right? What what happened? He was hungry. And so the devil told him to turn the stones into bread. The second temptation is that Jesus had been baptized. He had just been baptized. And if you remember the Scriptures, when Jesus was baptized, Scripture says that their voice was heard from the heavens saying, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Right? And... So what did the enemy say? If you are the son of God, throw yourself down so the angels can catch you. So that was the second, second temptation. And if that's not clear to you, I'm going to clarify what that was. And the third temptation is that the, F, the, the, the devil offered him the kingdoms of this world in, in an exchange for Jesus' worship. So those are the three temptations. Now, did you know that those three areas are the three categories that you will be tempted. Those are always the three categories that every person is tempted in. Every time the enemy brings something, it's going to be in one of those three categories that Jesus was tempted in the devil. Look at what the, the Apostle John wrote in one of his letters. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15-17. to 17. Look what he said. Do not love the world or the things in this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. If you have a pen, underline those three things right there. Desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life. Is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its, with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So he's teaching us about eternal life, the eternal kind of life, the everlasting kind of life. But he's pointing out to something very specific here. The three things that are in the world that will tempt you and me. First is the desires of the flesh. For Jesus, it was hunger. Now, is it wrong to eat? Of course it's not wrong to eat. I'm not asking you to cancel your lunch plans today. (laughs) But for Jesus, it was hunger because he 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 had purposefully... He was in a moment of consecration denying food. And what did the enemy present to him? Oh, tell these stones to turn into bread. Satisfy yourself. For you, it might be something else. But you will face desires of the flesh. Some of them will be clearly wrong. Some of them will be, will seem like a gray area where you'll be like, eh, I guess it's okay. But they will not lead to the goal or the purpose of God for your life. The second thing is the desires of the eye, right? Notice that in Jesus' case, it was the kingdom, kingdoms of the world. The enemy was like, Do you want everything? Do you want to be honored? Do you want to, you know, I'll, I'll give it to you. And there's a reason why, right? But for you, it might be something else. It might be, it might be, it might be greed, it might be a desire for status, success that is completely unhealthy. And, and it just it becomes your search. It becomes an idol in your life, right? And the third is the pride of life. In Jesus' case, it was, it was the, the if you are the Son of God. What, what was the enemy's trapped, trap on Jesus there? If you are the Son of God. In other words, aren't you better than anybody else? Aren't you, aren't you better than everybody else? You're the Son of God. Just, just throw yourself down. The angels will catch you. You don't have to live as a human being if you're the son of God. You don't have to face tempt- Like you don't have to face anything. You don't have to go through this test and be human. Just, just be better than everybody else. And to us, it might be you know lust. It might be, it might be pride. It might be greed. It's, it's. We all face that. The truth is that in a moment of need, in a moment of weakness, the enemy will present his version of what you need. His version of what will be desirable to you and he will present it to you in form of a temptation. It'll be very attractive. Substances, toxic conversations, attractive opportunities. For you to do the wrong thing, you won't realize it's wrong until it's too late. And we've all been there, right? We've all been in those situations where we're like, what was I thinking? We're talking about this last week. Like, what was was I thinking? I thought that was good. And clearly it wasn't good. Why? It was a temptation. See, The enemy of our souls is called the tempter. And he will try to tempt in obvious and also obvious ways. Because the enemy wants you to follow his ideas. You see, it's not only Jesus that's looking for followers. The enemy is also looking for followers. The enemy is also looking for disciples. And so you have, have, in the spiritual realm, you have this tension. Where you can follow God's way. Or you can follow the enemy's way. Look at what the John says a little bit later. John, uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. But it is evident who are the children of God. He is stern here. And who are the children of the devil? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Uh, John makes it very clear. He says, listen, there's two ways of life. You can live life God's way, or you can live life the enemy's way. And you can choose. Here is the evidence. People who do not practice righteousness and do not love their neighbor are not following God's way of life. That's very simple. Very clear. Everybody can understand that, right? If you don't practice righteousness, if you don't love your neighbor, we're not living God's way. Now, I don't have to ask you to think too hard to find unrighteousness and find lack of love Or hate for one another in our world today. Why is that out there? You think that that just happened? No, it's the work of the enemy. Of course it's the work of the enemy, turning people against each other. Now, we have the light of Christ. We can bring God's way into our world we can bring God's way into our offices you don't need a, a tv camera you don't need you don't need to be an influencer online you don't need like a million followers for you to make a change and transform the world you yourself in your job in your family spaces you can transform the world by doing simply these two things living God's way practicing righteousness and loving your neighbor and by doing that you will most likely overcome every temptation if you just live by those, uh, those parameters. Second way that the enemy operates. This is a little bit more intense. So we're going gradually in intensity here. The second way is oppression. And that's evil oppression on people. Listen to this scripture. This is a story uh, in Matthew 8 verses, verses 14 through 17. Jesus. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law, Peter's mother-in-law, lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her. And he rose and began to serve him. She rose and began to serve him. That's, that's beautiful. Now that evening, they brought to him many who were what? They were oppressed by demons. And he cast out the, the spirits with the word, and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our w- w- illnesses and bore our diseases. Now, I want you to notice this that Jesus in this scripture, uh, this scripture here refers to two kinds of, of, of healings that Jesus performed. The first one is that he cast out evil spirits that were oppressing people, the second one is that he healed those who were sick. See, Peter's mother in law had a fever. Her body was sick. We know nowadays because of modern science that if you have a fever, your body's fighting something else, right? So we don't know what kind of disease she had, but she was fighting some kind of disease and Jesus just touched her hand and healed her. But later that day, He healed people by casting out evil spirits from them. They were oppressed by demons. Now we need to gain understanding in this. As spiritual people... We are the ones who have the revelation, right? So we need to gain understanding that some things are physical. And some things are spiritual. And spiritual problems can manifest themselves physically. That's how it happened, right? That's how everything came to be. So spiritual problems can manifest themselves physically. And the enemy, the enemy will try to oppress people. They will try to oppress people's minds and people's bodies to the point of physical pain. Now, this doesn't mean that everything is the devil, right? I don't know if you've had a church history or not. Maybe it's the reason why you might have grown uh, uh, or, or walked away from faith because you, maybe you were in a context where everything was the devil, right? Everything was the devil. Why'd you take my fries Is the devil made me do it? Why, 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 why'd, you, why'd you max out a credit card? The devil made me do it. The devil, right? So that's not what we're talking about. Maybe you disengaged from faith. Maybe, you know, you were part of a context where everything was the devil. And that means nobody took responsibility for anything. Because you just blame the devil. Now, we have to be mature about this, right? Not everything is the enemy's work. Not everything is the enemy's work. But that doesn't mean that nothing is the enemy's work. Very important. Some things are the work of the enemy. If you're dehydrated, drink water. Right? If you have a fever, sure, you can pray and you can ask God to, to, to heal you by faith. But take a Tylenol. Call your doctor. Right? You, you do the right thing. But if the problem is spiritual, you need the power of Christ. If the problem is spiritual, you need that spiritual life, that spiritual authority to release you from that oppress, oppression from the enemy. And God can free you. He can free you today if you're facing a, a, an oppression from the enemy. You can't fight the devil with Tylenol. Can't do it. I thought that line was going to be funny. <laughs> might, might do a bumper sticker. Can't fight the devil with Tylenol. Alright, the third thing and it's, this is like probably something that very few of us have witnessed or heard of. But the third uh, way that the enemy manifests himself in people is by full-on possession right and this is biblical it's in the scriptures it's a reality it's a reality in a world people have witnessed it for centuries right it's called possession there's this intriguing story in the gospel of luke it's a little long but i'm going to read the whole thing so you can so you can grasp it right it's also in mark but i'm going to le- read the 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 Luke version of a man who was demon-possessed. Listen to this story. Luke chapter 8, verses 27 through 33. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. From a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons have entered him. And they begged him not to command him to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission, that was Jesus, and the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down into a steep bank into the lake and drowned a very, very uh, peculiar story in the Scripture here, but a story that that is heartbreaking. Think about the reality of that man. Just for some reason, he he got into a, 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 a lifestyle where he got into some kind of experience where he surrendered his spirit and even his mental faculties to these spirits to such an extent that from time to time, he would be possessed. And this spirit would break the chains of his body or that they were holding him. Would break the chains and would, he would just run to the desert. And God knows what happened. Right? And the problem was so well known by the city that they would, they would chain him. His neighbors knew about it. His town knew about it. His village knew about it. Can you imagine the despair in that man's heart? Can you imagine the despair in his soul? No solution for his life. Living, tormented like that. Now, this may seem strange to us. But demonic possession is not something that exists in the outskirts of society. It has persisted for, for years. According to a report by The Atlantic, the newspaper... A priest in Indianapolis who's known as the official exorcist just in that city in Indianapolis. He received around 2,000 phone calls in 2018 from people who either witnessed or were possessed and needed help from him. Just in Indianapolis in one year. 2,000 phone calls. There are records of exorcism being performed around the world for as long as 3,500 years. So for for 3500 years we have records historical records of, of exorcists performing exorcism in the world. This is a reality. Now, what happens to a Jesus follower in the face of temptation, in the face of oppression, in the face of possession, right? This is this is a this is this is a reality that we are not from Monday to Friday we're not familiar with it. Like we we don't we don't really connect with this, right? But it's there. We see it. We're so mental in our culture that we don't really get in contact with these things very often. But you, go to, you, you connect with cultures that are a little bit more spiritual and you see that these, these things happen quite often. There comes a point in your journey of faith where you will come to the same revelation that the disciples did in the face of evil spirits. There was a moment in the disciples' life where Jesus sent them into the villages by themselves, two by two, to preach the gospel, to pray for people, and to heal them. And they went... And they preached the gospel. Certainly they said something like, the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus has come to set the captives free. He was the Messiah. He, was the Christ. he is the Christ that has come. And the leader of the Lord is here. What do you need? Let me pray for you. They would explain what that means. They would preach the gospel to them. And, and then they realized something. They realized this. As they were praying for people, they were getting healed. Not only that, people that were tormented by evil spirits... They were also getting healed. those, Those spirits were leaving. So they came back to Jesus ecstatic, super happy, saying, This is amazing. On your word, even evil spirits leave people. We have the authority to command evil spirits. This is amazing. Now Jesus said something that forever reframed and directed their mission. And I think that this is something that we have to hone in, in the face of evil. Behold, I have given you authority to tread serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. There's a bigger reality. Jesus is saying the same thing to you and I. You have been given authority by Jesus to command evil spirits to flee. You have the authority in Jesus over all the power of the enemy. All the power of the enemy. All of it. But that is not the point. That's not the point. That's not where your joy comes in. That's not, right where, uh, that's not what's gonna fill your spirit with joy, with, with, with gladness. The real focus, the real gift, the real power, the real grace is that our names are written in heaven. Is that God knows you? Is that He has called you to live a life of freedom? Is that you are, are a citizen of heaven? Now, listen, friends, maybe. Maybe today's message was new to you. Maybe you haven't heard a message like this before. Or maybe you have heard a version of it before. I need you to know that the point of a life with Christ is not to get rid of evil. And maybe that's what brought you to church. See, the point of a life with Christ is not even to get rid of sin. Yes, He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But that is not the point. That's a benefit. That's not the point. Maybe you've been trying to live right. And maybe that's what called called you to church. Maybe that's what drew you here this morning. Maybe there's something in your life that you need to get rid of. Maybe what first drew you to church is because you needed to get your life right. You needed something to change in your life. And that's, that's something that God can do for you. That's an important part of your development, but that is not the main point. Don't stay there. Staying there is like thinking that the point of a savings account is just to get you out of debt. That's not the point of a savings account. It's not so you can save money so you can get out of debt and get to zero. So don't be satisfied from going to minus 100 to zero, that's too low. God wants you to expand your mind. Don't just go like, oh, if I could get to zero, I'd be amazing. In other words, if I could get rid of this problem, if I could get rid of that situation, if I could, if I could cast this demon out, if I could command these evil spirits that are tormenting my family to leave, it would be a big release. Yeah, it may be, but don't stop there. That's not the point of a life with God. Your name is written in heaven you are a citizen of heaven that means that the reality of heaven is available to you is within your reach, wisdom, goodness, love, mercy, kindness, gentleness, self-control, peace, righteousness. Heaven is open to us. It's open to you and me. And the enemy wants to keep you preoccupied with his schemes. He wants to keep you focused and entrapped in the net of confusion and distractions that he sets up so that you can't see heaven. But let me tell you today, heaven is available. You are a citizen of heaven through Christ So don't stay focused on the wrong thing. Trying to fix that. Get rid of it through Jesus. Take your place of authority. And then begin to experience heaven. And find the joy in a life with Christ. Growing a relationship with God. That is the point. So that you can not only be free, but you can be free to live God's way. Growing in your gifts. Practicing righteousness. Loving your neighbor. And I pray that you may grow in understanding today. That God may fill you up with His presence and that He may be ministering to you. That you can, may not only be able to discern the enemy, discern the schemes of the enemy. And I pray that the Holy Spirit may be ministering to you right now. Certain areas in your life where you go like, that, that's the work of the enemy. That's straight up evil. I couldn't see it before, but that, that's the work of the enemy. So that you may know that no weapon formed against us shall, against us shall prosper. No weapon formed against you can prosper. And once you see it, you can declare it and you can claim God's presence into that area of your life. You can overcome it. And as you overcome it, you know that God is for you, with you. And in the name of Jesus, everything the enemy intended for harm, God will turn for your good. I want to pray for you right now because I believe that there's power in, in, in unity and in community. And Scripture says that a thousand shall flee at the, at, the, at the shout of one and ten thousand at the shout of two. There, there's something that happens when we come together in Jesus' name. And if you're facing something in your marriage, if you're facing something at work, if you're facing something, and maybe it's an attrition that you don't know where it comes from, but it, it, just, it feels like there's, there's the weight of the world fighting against you. May I introduce to you the idea that the enemy might be fighting against you to keep you from God's best. And we're going to break that in the name of Jesus today. We're going to cast him out. We're going to declare release in your life by the power of Jesus. So that you may experience a new revelation, fresh revelation of who God is in your life. So that you can live in joy, freedom, forgiveness. Looking forward, not backwards. Amen. Would you mind just closing your eyes? I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to make an invitation for you to connect to God. God, I lift up every person here today who have come to this place, those watching as well, Father, who might be facing right now either temptation or oppression or even, God, possession, like the enemy has been tormenting them in their minds and their soul. Father, walk into that situation right now. We command every spirit, evil spirit, to leave in the name of Jesus. By the authority of the cross, we declare freedom of every child of God here. Enemy, you have no place in any life, in any family right now. We declare the powers of hell broken in the name of Jesus. And Jesus, will you fill their hearts and their lives with your presence and help them walk in your authority? so that they they know that they are not subject to any evil, but they walk as kings and queens of of God on this earth, citizens of heaven, in the name of Jesus, Father. Bless your people today, in Jesus' name.